0: Right now, I want to get into another conversation. that uh, we, we talked about this briefly, but not a lot. So I want to spend a few minutes trying to get some more detail. And, you know, what does it mean and, and what might it lead to? Um, in late June, so you're going back about six, seven weeks now, um, the national bread price-fixing scandal that, you know, we've talked about in this country for some time now, it's not a pretty major development, is the Canada Bread Company agreed to pay a $15 million fine. That's not nothing. That's a big fine, but... There are just as many questions about that penalty after it was imposed as there were before, so lots to get into. We're gonna chat with Jennifer Quaid, who's an associate professor and the vice dean of research in the civil law section in the faculty of law at the University of Ottawa. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Jay, for the invitation. Um, okay, so let's just start. That, that penalty, $50 million to the Canada Bread Company, That is a that's a sizable fine. We can't discount that, right?
1: Absolutely. It's the second largest fine against a corporation for a criminal offense. And uh, it's the largest fine for a cartel offense, which is like some things like price fixing that are criminalized under the Competition Act. And
0: and what else it does uh, is finally, after quite a long time, like this goes back a ways, um, it brings some accountability into this situation, which, like I say, started a long time ago. What's the timeline? Like, when did this become a thing?
1: It became a thing in 2017 when um, Loblaws and, and uh, Weston Bakery came forward and said, we were part of this you know, scheme to fix the price of bread with other bakeries and other grocers. And uh, they got immunity fra- under the immunity and leniency program that the Competition Bureau um, administers with the Public Prosecution Service, which is to encourage companies to come forward about this kind of thing because they're hard to detect. And then, contrary to what we normally expect would happen, um, no one else came forward. Usually there's an incentive to come forward and cooperate once you know the cat's out of the bag mm-hmm. because uh, you can get a reduced penalty. No one bit. And so everyone else who was you know, alleged to have participated by Loblaws said, nope, we weren't involved. And then it just sat quiet for six years until... Canada Bread, which is now owned by Grupo Bimbo, a Mexican um, uh, company, they uh, they finally came forward and sorted it out. What we didn't know during that six-year period, period is that actually they came forward pretty quickly after Loblaws, but there was a lot to work out. And I guess with the pandemic, the, the sort of investigation part slowed down. But yeah, there's still no one else has admitted anything, but at least with two companies admitting that they were part of it. It takes two to make a cartel. So now yeah. we know that it existed.
0: Yeah, we know that it was actually happening and we've got certainty in that area. Um, I've had a lot of people, and this is the interesting aspect to this, it's a big fine, it's a $50 million fine, but a lot of people on the air have said, um, well, wait a minute, we were the ones that got ripped off. Why is this just going to the government? I mean, that's the law, right? That, that's the way that it works. Fines are paid to the government.
1: That's right. I mean, I totally understand the reaction, yeah. and uh, I get it, but actually, this is absolutely what happens in you know most criminal cases, is that it's the state that brings prosec- prosecutions on behalf of all of us, and so the amounts that are collected as fines... Uh, which are calculated to reflect like what the offender did right how how culpable was it like how bad was it what were the circumstances and then that money just goes back to benefit everyone and so the default is to say it goes back to the level of government there's a way of deciding whether it's the province or the feds depends you know where the crime what under what law the crime was um, committed. But basically, it says the fairest thing is to let the government of the day decide as a function of political priorities where they're going to spend it. But I get that, that, you know, in the current climate, people are a little less willing to give governments the benefit of the doubt. But that's the default. And that's what that's what's happened, you know, ever since we've had the system. So that's how it's designed.
0: And there is always the possibility of some sort of civil litigation or a class action. Like consumers may see some money out of this before all is said and done, right?
1: Absolutely, and there are two class actions. One started in Ontario, one started in Quebec with with regard to this bread conspiracy, and these class actions do happen in cartel measure um, matters. We have another example uh, in the uh, retail gas price-fixing conspiracy right. that was in the early 2000s in Quebec. The consumer consumers and consumer groups brought a class action, and they ultimately got a settlement. So, you know, they, they did see some money in the end, and it certainly helps when you have the guilty plea like Canada Bread and, and Weston, you know, um, blah, blah has immunity, but they've acknowledged that they participated, because then you don't have to prove the conspiracy existed. You can start with that, so that makes it a lot easier.
0: Um, You mentioned the government, you know, we give the money to the government and they spend it how they see fit. A lot of people are saying, okay, government, you're getting $50 million out of this. Why don't you use it um, to fund food banks or, you know, something like that? Is that something that we could possibly see the government do? Does that ever happen?
1: So that's the thing that I wrote this, you know, this uh, little short little piece in the conversation about. It's interesting because there's more and more uh, kind of like movement to say, "Hey, why don't we like try to target better where the fine goes instead of just saying, "Uh, eh, it just goes into general." Right. Writing. And so We have some examples, but not in like the serious criminal offenses like cartels. We have some examples in what we call regulatory law, which is like the law that applies to, you know, mostly businesses that tells them they hear the rules of how you do things. And we have, you know, two really easy examples are environmental protection and uh, labor, like sort of health, workplace health and safety. And in those in those areas, there has been a lot more movement to say, yeah, we have to, we have to impose a fine, but maybe it would be more productive to direct the fine to something that, that really deals with the problems that are associated with the crime right. instead of yeah. just saying we send it to the government. And so in environmental law, they've done that, where it's like you fund a research project to study the problem. You fund like the development of new standards. Um, so they're trying to get, and this is the word they use, creative. Now, it's not perfect. There have been, like, you know, ups and downs in how it's done. But it does happen. And in actually, in at the federal level, there's a special fund for environmental um, into which you can pay uh, fines from environmental crimes. And that's used to fund specific projects. So it's kind of become like a, almost like a research fund into which you sure. know the money can then be divvied out. So that's something that maybe we need to explore for things like cartels, because there's some similarities. But basically, that, you know, the impact is spread out over tons of people over a lot of time. If you actually divided up that 50 million by every person who right, bought bread, exactly. it's, it's probably like not that much. So let's try to make the money work more productively and kind of target it. And so that's sort of the, the idea. There's also a similar kind of push to do this in corruption offenses, which are similar, right? Dispersed over a lot of people, not a lot per person. Um, so far, no nibbles, but I think there's like a movement maybe in that direction.
0: Um- where in terms of this particular case and this cartel and this conspiracy where where are we now following this verdict cuz like you say we've got two but we, uh, we assume that there were more people involved nobody's come forward is this over now is this does this close this case or is there still more you mentioned the class actions but in terms of the prosecution of this is it over now
1: mm-hmm. I obviously I don't know what the prosecution service knows, and I don't know what the investigators at the competition bureau know. I would be surprised that it's over because if you actually look at the judgment um, in Canada Bread, like what they what they admitted to, it's basically they admitted to. to Um, getting together with Loblaws to do some things because that's the only thing where you have agreement but it seems pretty surprising that they were the only two because it would would have been a pretty ineffective cartel if there were only two of them (laughs) I don't know the question the question is at this point now that it's kind of beyond debate that there was a cartel. Are the others going to be motivated to come forward because maybe they think, OK, now it's not just what Loblaw said. It's also what Canada Bread said. And maybe more is going to come out. And that's going to make it harder to sort of say, oh, we need nothing about it. I mean, I can't I can't speculate, but I, I would be surprised that this is the end of it. But we'll have to see whether this is going to push um others to come forward and negotiate a deal uh, while they still can, Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But I I would say that for now, we we don't see what might be happening because all of that's happening kind of, you know, as negotiations always do with prosecution defendants, like those are not public until they reach a deal. But I would be surprised that it's the end.
0: So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Jennifer, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate your time.
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity to chat. It was fun. Thanks.